Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Hi, everybody. Kilmeade. Brian Kilmeade, happy to be back with you here on the Brian Kilmeade Show, 1-866-408-7669, the number to call to be on and let the whole nation and be heard around the world. As you know, we come from New York City, but heard around the country. Uh, Rich Lowry at the bottom of the hour, Jonathan Turley standing by. The stunning news 48 hours ago, the president's uh, home in Mar-a-Lago was raided. They did gave him no notice. 30 FBI agents uh, flooded the place, and they stayed there for about eight or nine hours, took out boxes. No one's quite sure what the real intent was. They said it was about the National Archives. Nobody believes that, and nobody believes the president didn't know it. So let's get to the big three and then to Jonathan. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Look at the winners in this pathetic Schumer Mansion reconciliation bill. Not ordinary working folks. The winners are the regulatory octopus agencies like the EPA destroying fossil fuels or the IRS destroying small businesses. Details rolling in on the Manchin-Schumer climate bill. Not only is this nation not ready for green tra- the green transition, the IRS weaponizing in a way that will affect every one of us. Number two. I mean, it's unimaginable. Come to a country, uh, your first visit here, someone is throwing you out, as the governor of Texas is doing, and then trying to navigate this complex country to deliver your services, and we're doing a, a good job in doing that. He makes no sense. Even Kamala Harris would believe that. Border battle. Adams versus Abbott. The governor of Texas is busing thousands of illegals to New York City. Mayor Adams claims that's anti-American. What is anti-American? Allowing our border to collapse? The good news is that soon Biden will have to take action. Number one. You know, to hear the account of these ongoing negotiations and meetings into June, uh, you're still left with this question of why they decided to order the raid on the uh, residence of the former president. Jonathan Turley would be a great booking. The Trump raid, the reaction, the fallout, the details, and how suddenly 45 has a lot of momentum. Let's bring in Jonathan Turley. Uh, He's among the best in the business to explain the law to people like me, pedestrians, law professor at George Washington University, Fox News contributor. Jonathan, what have you, I've been following your coverage and your analysis. Have you been able to make sense of this and analyze why you think it would be necessary for them, for the FBI to take the political risk to go into President Trump's compound? No, I can honestly say the more that I've learned, the more confused I've become. Uh, One of the most disturbing uh, new facts is that there were meetings going on, including in June, uh, discussing what I assume were identified or or descriptive uh, um, uh, list of material. And that leaves this question of why. Why would you order a raid on the compound when the other party is engaged in negotiations? The material is not going anywhere. But more importantly, you could just grab the material with a subpoena. Um, None of that has been answered. And if anything, those questions are growing by the day. 
So I think that there is a legitimate demand for the attorney general to be more forthcoming and to explain why this was necessary. He doesn't have to reveal the basis of the investigation. He just has to reveal why this particular means was used at this particular time. So I just got to run through the timeline for the American people uh, listening right now. January 2020, President Trump leaves the White House, obviously. He left with documents. Maybe he shouldn't have. National Archives in late 2021 reaches out to Trump about missing potentially classified information. January 2022, this year, Trump team voluntarily gives up 15 missing boxes. In June, which you just referring to, high-level DOJ meets at Mar-a-Lago and Trump stops by meeting in negotiations as they continue. June 22nd, uh, so that's, that's total silence since, we believe. In August, prosecutors submit affidavit asking for a warrant. They got it. August 8th, they used it in Mar-a-Lago. Here's what the attorney, Alina Habab, who was scrambled, excuse me, Christina Bob, who was scrambled to help out because she lives in Palm Beach when the raid took place. Here's what she said happened. Cut seven. I fought with them for a little while about that and said, you mean to tell me that you want to roll up at the president of the United States personal residence and you want me to take your word for it, that you actually have a warrant? So uh, they eventually showed it to me and then they, you know, they gave me a copy of it after everything was over. And in it, it said this: they were there on behalf of the, behalf of the National Archives. Why, with Smithsonian rolling out a big exhibit and they didn't have the Kim Jong-un letter? <laughs> yeah, well, the, the really astonishing thing about this is that the Presidential Records Act is seldom enforced. It has a relatively weak enforcement profile. I just testified on this in Congress and, in fact, talked about the Trump boxes. But... Um, it is almost never enforced criminally. There are a few cases. So to have this massive raid conducted under the PRA just raised all types of questions for most of us. Here's what Andy McCabe said, as you know, the disgraced FBI agent, and that gets you a job at CNN. Cut nine. The FBI would not have taken a step as drastic and serious as this unless they had good information to indicate that this was the result of some knowing, willful, uh, intentional acts of removing classified documents or sensitive documents, documents in violation of some federal laws. Well, I mean, do you, do you agree <laughs> with that? I mean, well, it's it, it, the lack of self-awareness for some of these individuals. Is, is really breathtaking. I mean, you, first of all, this is someone who was one of the high-ranking officials when the FBI was misleading courts on getting search warrants and conducting investigations, lying to courts, falsifying evidence. And he worked for a man, James Comey, who took FBI material from the FBI yes. when he was fired and then leaked it to the press. And yet none of that seems to be at all relevant as they express total faith that this, honest, that this has to be a legitimate move. The point is not that there isn't a basis to, to acquire classified information. If the president retained classified information, he is in violation of the law. The government does have a right to get that material back. But that's not the real question here. The real question is how you go about doing that. It's fairly common for presidents to have disagreements with the archives on material that is removed. There's a, pro a period that can take months as material, even furniture, uh, is returned to the White House or given over to uh, the National Archives. 
So this is nothing new. Now, it's true that the scope of this conflict is certainly broader than before. But to have this suddenly metastasize into a major raid is just baffling. So uh, a couple of things I'd like to ask you. Um, So they walk in and they grab some stuff and they they leave it and they say, hey, you know what? Uh, Hey, Georgia, I know you're investigating Trump. This could help you. Hey, Letitia James, I know you're deposing the uh, the president today about his business practices. Maybe this can help you. Hey, January 6th uh, uh, meeting uh, uh, panel. Hey, this could probably help you. So they go in there, they grab what they can get, and there's multiple investigations just so happens on this president. And they start just fanning it out to the people that they could move this forward. Southern, Southern District of New York. Can that happen? Well, it could happen. I know Andy McCarthy wrote a very interesting article I believe in the New York Post, saying that he believed this was all about January 6th. I'm not entirely convinced, despite my respect for Andy. First of all, I would assume that virtually all of the information related to January 6th has been stamped attorney-client privilege, and there are tank teams that are supposed to remove that material uh, when they receive it. But second, if that was in fact what occurred here, there will be others following Peter Strzok into private employment. Because that's exactly what the FBI did. They lied to courts during the Russian collusion. Uh, They misrepresented their motives. They misrepresented their evidence. If they did that here and the Republicans take control of the House and discover that in oversight, then this is going to be a huge scandal. It meant that right after the Russian collusion, after all these reports finding FBI wrongdoing, they did it again. So it is possible. Um, I would find it breathtaking if that was the case. But in terms of sharing this information, it's very risky. These these agents must know that if that was their motivation, the minute they fork over this information over to the January 6th grand jury, they are really putting their own heads in the news in terms of allegations of misrepresenting again uh, the purpose of of a search warrant. I've got rapid fire questions if I can. Number one, so I'm, 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 they're raiding your house, Jonathan. I'm your attorney. I walk in there. I go up to the FBI agents and I say, what are you doing? Where are you going? I'm going to follow you around. And they say, no, stand in that room. We're going in the back room. So they went to his residences. They went to Melania's closet. They went to the storage facility. They went everywhere. Can they actually order me not to follow them? Can they order me uh, to turn off the surveillance cameras, which thankfully they didn't do? I mean, do I have any rights at all if I'm, you know, if I'm your attorney and, and I see the FBI doing what they're doing? Um, they do have rights to confine people to areas for uh, the integrity of the search or protection of officers. Courts tend to give them a lot of leeway. Turning off of cameras, I don't know of any authority to do that. And what often is the case is that agents will tell people to do things they don't have authority to do, and then they just ask forgiveness rather than permission later. Okay. Number two is um, the uh, they actually went into his safe and cracked his safe, which I found astounding. Judging, this is just your experience now, judging by what they tell us happened, we're getting more and more details, I just, my gut feeling is someone tipped them off where to look, where to go, and what to look for. It just seems as though a sprawling co- a complex like Mar-a-Lago, where do you start besides, obviously, the president's office and, and home? But they, they knew, well, they, they seemed to know where they were going. Well, they had to know there was a safe because they brought a safe cracker, apparently. True. Uh, 
And, it, of course, if, if they don't find evidence of serious criminal conduct, this is going to look like Al Capone's safe. Uh, you know, it, 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 there's clearly some information that they had going into this. Uh, this is not the FBI carding me off, by the way. I hope not. Um, but the, um, there, there's clearly going to be uh, an, an expectation that they tell whether they found anything in this extraordinary search. But what they found in the safe was nothing. So the question is, who is giving this information to them? They clearly had meetings in which specific documents were discussed. Uh, and whether they obtained those documents, I'm not sure. But the thing that I've been emphasizing is even if they found classified information, it does not mean that Donald Trump can be criminally charged. The statute involved here is a specific intent statute. They have to show that he specifically intended to conceal. But if he was in the process of negotiations as to how these rules are be, were being interpreted, I'm not too sure a case can be made. So Scott Perry is walking. He said this morning he was traveling with his family. Three FBI agents, that was yesterday, visited him and seized his cell phone. They made no attempt to contact my lawyer, who would have made arrangements with them to have my phone if that was their wish. I am outraged. Scott Perry's been a longtime Trump supporter, and he's refused to cooperate with the January 6th committee. Uh, and he was somebody who had a real problem with the outcome of the election. What's going on there? What are your right? Like, what am I? I did not know the FBI could just say, I need your cell phone and just take it. And neither well, it, apparently did Scott Perry. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, they obviously they would need a warrant for that. So a judge would have to sign off from it. But what we're seeing is a full court press from the Biden administration. I mean, they're rounding up everything and everyone. And that may indicate that Merrick Garland has decided to go all in. Uh, but this raid really has a reckless element to it. It does worry me. Uh, the raid was unnecessary from what I can see. Now, maybe they'll give us some more information. But if that raid is indicative of where we're heading, and that includes the, your latest account of grabbing that phone, I, I think that Merrick Garland is taking a huge risk with this country. We're a deeply divided country, and there are legitimate concerns about the bias of the FBI. They have a documented history of bias against Trump with regard to high-ranking officials, a documented history of false statements in order to investigate Trump. Uh, to engage in any reckless raids like this at this time uh, would be a huge uh, failure on the part of the attorney general uh, to conduct an investigation in a way that preserves its perception and uh, a basis in legitimacy. So I want you to hear, you just said the, by the Biden administration, but Karine Jean-Pierre, cut three. Was the president or anyone at the White House aware of that search warrant? Or had, has anyone at the White House or the president been briefed in the aftermath of that search warrant being executed? No, the president was not briefed, did not, was not aware of it. No, no one at the White House was given uh, a heads up. No, that did not happen. You believe him? Well, it's hard to say. You know, it is possible uh, that they didn't get a heads up. They don't need to have a heads up. Uh, in fact, they probably prefer not to get a, an official heads up, whether they had anything unofficial. Uh, it's not clear. Uh, Washington tends to leak like a sieve. You really don't need official warnings. But the reason the, I said the Biden administration uh, is that Merrick Garland has refused to appoint a special counsel to Hunter Biden matter. And he's also obviously not appointed any special counsel with regard to January 6th. In my view, 
That is an astonishing and colossal failure on the part of the attorney general. There is no basis I can think of for not appointing a special counsel in both of those circumstances. Hunter Biden's scandal now has the president directly contradicted in what he has told the public for years. We now have meetings at the White House with business associates of Mm -hmm. Hunter Biden. His, his denials appear now to be untrue, and that issue is an influ- influence peddling scheme that may have generated millions. How could you possibly, as attorney general, not appoint a, a special counsel? And then you go to January 6th. You have a grand jury on January 6th by the administration of the man who was the opposing candidate, and it's investigating the man who may be his his. Uh, opponent in the next election. Just there alone, without getting to anything else, it is bizarre to suggest that a special counsel is not needed. That's why we had a special counsel with Nixon. Everyone celebrates Archibald Cox. Where's the Archibald Cox? Where are the people saying, well, let's Uh, do it the way we did with Nixon? Jonathan, uh, that's as outraged as I ever heard you. You're always so level-headed. That's you screaming like John McEnroe. Jonathan Turley, thank you. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. This gives me confidence that the Justice Department is really pursuing this thoroughly, objectively, uh, and in a non-political way. We're all going to remember being together on this night, because this is a night where you are going to remember where you were. Obviously, as big as big as stakes as you can have. Perhaps the orange jumpsuit is for is forthcoming. I think the national democratic reaction is hallelujah. Right. Good luck with that. Hallelujah. Now you have Mitch McConnell demanding an explanation arch enemy of Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, his chief foe, uh, out expressing outrage. You have Andrew Cuomo saying the FBI better be prepared to explain itself. You've done something in the short term. I know. I'm not getting caught up long term. In the short term, you've done the impossible. You've, be, you've forced the Republicans to unite behind Donald Trump. Not just his fans. He's always had that. But now Republicans on the show, even Vice President Mike Pence, not even on speaking terms, expressed outrage. So Democrats, congratulations. You had the signing of the chips bill and you had the signing of that horrendous new Green Deal bill, which you call the Anti-Inflation Act. And no one's talking about it. They're talking about an FBI who decides to raid President Trump's Mar-a-Lago compound resort. When we come back, Rich Lowry joins us. And then I'll finish up with your phone calls, 1-866-408-7669. So glad you're here. Brian Kilmeade Show, back in action. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Is this administration weaponizing the Justice Department and the FBI against political opponents? Peter, the president believes in the rule of law. The president believes in the independence of the Department of Justice. No, that is no. It's a yes or a no for you. I'm answering the question. You may not like it, but I'm answering the question, and I'm no, no. I'm answering the question, and I'm telling you that we are not going to comment. 
I don't even know what she's saying. Uh, let's bring in Rich Lowry, uh, the editor of the National Review, what are the case for nationalism, and he's got a, he's all over this. Uh, sir, first off, Rich, you know, on to, as of now, 48 hours later, the Democrats and the FBI have done what I thought was the impossible. They've really united a lot of people who were out of the Trump camp behind Trump. They feel as though this was to- this raid was totally out of line. Have you sensed the same thing? Totally. This is, you know, there's a case you you could, you know, it's subjective and and hard to quantify that Trump's grip on the party had had been loosening, you know, slowly but but surely. And and this, just in terms of 2024 politics, and that's not the most important aspect of this. This is the best day he's had, and since since Biden was elected, without a doubt, it uh, brings back all the memories of the the Russia hoax and the Carter Page FISA warrant and um, the steel dossier and all that. And everyone hated that for good reason. And it's it's bonding people uh, to Trump and making them feel understandably defensive of him. So in sheer political terms, it's a, it's a huge boon to President Trump. So they keep saying at the White House it had nothing to do with it. I've talked to other people and they said there's no way the White House didn't sign off on this. It's impossible to do something of this magnitude and keep the White House in the dark uh, I don't know how big a deal is it, but the local FBI bureau did not know anything about it in Florida, let alone the Florida Floridian government. What's your reaction to the denial there? Well, something this consequential, the White House should sign off. The, there is this fiction that the Justice Department is this free-floating, you know, fourth branch of of government. No, it's part of the executive branch and is is subject to a presidential and, and political direction. Doesn't mean you interfere, you know, in, in investigations in an inappropriate way, but you should be aware of what's going on and be providing general guidance. So if they they didn't know about this, they should have known about it, and th- someone should have known that this would, e- even if it's totally legitimate. Just for the sake of argument, it's yep. totally legitimate. It would set half the fire, the country on fire and create deep suspicions, again, of the FBI and the institutions uh, of our justice system and, and had to be you know, vetted up and down um, before doing it. And if that didn't happen, just – again, even if it's totally legitimate, that itself is malpractice. So the Washington Post learned the search warrant used by the FBI to enter Palm Beach – focused solely on presidential records and evidence of classified information being stored there. And, of course, if you want to get classified information, go to Melania's wardrobe. Everybody knows that, Rich. They spent several hours combing through his private office, her wardrobe. They broke open a safe that was virtually empty, a storage unit with beach chairs and umbrellas, uh, and then into his office on the second floor. They cracked. That's where they cracked the safe open. They removed a number of boxes from the evidence. Overall, the, they took letters from Kim Jong-un, maps with the Sharpie gate, golf balls, and raincoats. They say a source close to the former president expressed concern the FBI agents or DOJ lawyers conducting the search planted stuff because they would not allow Trump's attorneys inside the 128-room 28 28-room 28 building to observe them. So they, have, they, they now have a legitimate out and say, listen, that's not mine. 
Mm-hmm. Well, you know. Yeah, and, and, and another really notable aspect of that Washington Post story is, is this kind of hilarious irony that in the negotiations over presidential records, you know, people from the National Archives and wherever else had, had been down there talking to Trump's lawyers about these various documents, and they, they were looking at a bunch of boxes and going through material and like, hey, you know what? We're, we're worried about this. This room's not secured this, uh, as best it should be. So they put a lock on it, and then the FBI comes and breaks in the lock to, to go, you know, look at these documents. So this makes no sense. If it's just a records dispute, yes, you know, the two sides had disagreements. Maybe, you know, according to the Post, the National Archives, people thought the Trump lawyers weren't being straight with them. Fine. You continue negotiating it out. You don't set half the country on fire over uh, a document dispute. And my colleague and yours, Andy McCarthy, his theory is that this whole thing was pretextual. There's no way it was just about the presidential records. It's part of a January 6th investigation, but the Justice Department doesn't want want to say that it's part of a January 6th investigation because they don't have the goods uh, on, on Trump. So they're using this the way prosecutors often do, which I think is abusive in this context. But if they get, get you on a minor offense and they suspect you of some other offense, they get in the house you know, or in your office or whatever it is with a warrant on the minor offense when they're really looking for, for evidence to uh, going to the, 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 the bigger offense. But that's – this level of sensitivity – it shouldn't happen that way. All right. I want to talk about the good days. So, I mean, such an insult. Uh, the Inflation Reduction Act, which has nothing to do with inflation. I've not seen one body or one legitimate person say this has anything to do with inflation, which, by the way, is just under 9% now for this month. The, the administ- uh, Evidently, the market loves that. It's up 450 points, but it's still uh, a 40-year high. So this, this – uh, Deficit Reduction Act doesn't reduce deficit. It's converting this economy to a green economy that we're not ready for. They're investing $369 billion of the $700 billion in green energy. What is your take on this, and how dare they do this? This is pure agenda. It is not in our interest. Yeah, there's nothing in that bill that they didn't favor prior to the rise of inflation. Everything was was something they they wanted prior to inflation hitting nine percent, with the exception of, of some particular measures in there just to placate um, Joe Manchin, but also have nothing to do with inflation. And you know the deficit reduction is supposed to be uh, the the big uh, inflation suppressant, and according to Joe Manchin, none of it happens uh, anytime soon. You know that the deficit reduction, such as it is, if it ever materializes, is years away. And then they're telling themselves, oh wow, emissions are going to be down forty percent since two thousand and five because we passed this, all that emission reductions already happened, or, or most of it. So the, the climate stuff doesn't make sense. The, the electric car subsidies, they because they want the supply chain back in the U.S., which is, I think, an understandable and worthy goal, but they're, they're, they're putting a requirement immediately. It basically eliminates for, for everyone the electric, electric car uh, credit. So even on its own terms, that doesn't make sense because none, none of the electric cars are going to meet, meet the supply chain standards. So th- this thing makes zero sense at any level. The only way it makes sense is they love spending money, and it's almost another trillion, and they want to, to be able to tell their base they've done something and gin up their activists. Would I understand, only- and I was just talking to Eric here in the break, I said, for pure political purposes, you grew I, the IRS, you added 90% mm-hmm. more agents, almost 100% in personnel. Let's say you could even hire these people, because you don't pay them much. There's nothing more uh, aggravating than getting audited. They're going yeah. to look their no- up their number of audits. They're weaponizing the IRS. How could that be politically advantageous to them? Yeah. 
Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. The, 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 most of the discrete measures in there pull well, but, but more IRS agents is a political debacle. And the fact of the matter, I don't care what the assurances are. The IRS says the Democrats say, oh, these are going to go after high-income high taxpayers. The IRS doesn't go after high-income taxpayers because they have really good lawyers. So even if you get additional payments from them, you've taken time and labor and legal fees to do it. So the, the, the overwhelming number of audits are people making less than 75000 dollars a year who don't have lawyers, who don't have the time to deal with it, who just have to say, okay, the IRS is after me. I'll pony up more money. That's what's going to happen with these additional agents. And and an audit, anyone who's gone through a really serious one, it, it's, it doesn't matter if you've uh, um, you know, if you're totally clean bill of health at the end and you've been totally scrupulous about every I and every T, it's a punishment. It's, it's a kind of punishment from the, the, the government. So the Republicans are pounding us, and they should. Right. I want you to hear what Bernie Sanders said, cut 33. I want to take a moment to say a few words about the so-called Inflation Reduction Act that we are debating uh, this evening. And I say so-called, by the way, because according to the CBO and other economic organizations who have studied this bill, it will, in fact, have a minimal impact on inflation. Oops. Uh, He has no problem taking on the Democratic Party, but he knows this has nothing to do with inflation. Yep. And it's such an insult, Rich. I I can't just say it's Mike the climate bill. Just say it's it's a climate, you know, the the the. Uh, right. The climate transition bill, and then, but when you deceptively name something, you know, good and well that it's not it. It is an insult to the people who are actually supplying the money for this program. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Bernie Sanders, I have no use for him. Obviously, I philosophically disagree with everything he believes, but he's a straight shooter, right? You know, he, from his perspective, he he tells the truth about things, even if it's in, inconvenient to his own side or his party. And of course, he's absolutely right. There's nothing to do with inflation reduction in here. Another key dishonesty is Manchin claims there's no tax increase. It's just loophole closing this this uh, this corporate minimum tax. And they also say it's not going to be paid. No, no one below forty thousand, four hundred thousand dollars is is going to pay any additional tax. Taxes when that tax is going to be passed along to everyone. So it's it's dishonest, it's uh, profligate, it's wasteful, it's counterproductive, and par for the course for Joe Biden. Uh, unbelievably so. When you look at the uh, Republican Party now, there's a six out of ten chance the Democrats hold on to the Senate. Can the Republicans change that narrative? Yeah. You know, I was talking to a consultant yesterday. We we're talking about Ohio, where, where J.D. Vance has, hasn't been looking great. He's been running behind Tim Ryan. He was making the case, you know, you, you look back two, four years ago, a, a lot of people who won handily, Joni Ernst, Tom Cotton down in Arkansas. This is, this is longer ago than two to four Ron years Johnson. ago in some cases. But, you know, they, they were very narrow at this time in, in the dead of summer. And then you see the separation at the end. I still think that's, that is correct. I, I just don't know how there's there's not going to be this undertow for every Democrat in the country with a president, you know, in the, the high 30s, with a president that, you know, 18, only 18 percent of Americans want to run again. Only 20 percent, 29 percent of people voted for him and 20 want him to run again. It, it's, it just seems like that's going to uh, save a lot of Republicans. But you look at it now, and there's no doubt, you know, Dem- Democrats have gained some ground. There's no doubt that you know, these weak Senate candidates on the Republican side are, are not looking particularly robust. So it, it is a little concerning. Uh, I would just emphasize, too, uh, the Ukrainian situation, the lead up, the Afghanistan debacle, what's happening now with Taiwan, the speaker in 
uh, the president not getting on the same page, no legitimate defense, the, 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 the dearth of recruits uh, for the Army and Navy. It's an embarrassment mm-hmm. to this country. That's happened under this president who has supposedly yeah. got the foreign policy experience to straighten out what the rookie uh, businessman wasn't able to do. A lot of people wish we had that old foreign policy back in some cases. Rich, thanks so much. Hey, thanks so much, Brian. Happy All right, day. you got it. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. So, listen. I promise you, you get some calls in. We'll do it when we get back. We also have not discussed another uh, major uh, story that we've been going over, and that's illegal immigration. What's happening with the mayor of New York and Texas? You're not going to believe it, Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. I am deeply contemplating taking a busload of New Yorkers uh, to go to Texas and do some good old-fashioned door knocking uh, because we we have to, for the good of America, we have to get him out of office. Okay, let's think about this for a second. The mayor of New York City is upset that illegal immigrants are coming to being dropped off from Texas in New York City. That's a sanctuary city for illegal immigrants to come. And they get off and they walk into New York City. He says, why are they doing this? Well, why don't you get mad at the president of the United States for dropping them off at Westchester Airport? Why don't you get mad at the president of the United States for dropping off in Newburgh, New York, and MacArthur Airport on Long Island? Why are you getting upset that... Five buses from Texas are dropping off about 60 people. Overall, they say 4,000 have come in the last four months. There's 4,000 a day coming through uh, in Texas. And the president and the mayor thinks he's going to get back at the Texas governor by going there and campaigning against him. Do you know anything less appealing if you're a Texan than having a New Yorker knock at your door and tell you how to vote or who not to vote for? Do you think one person in Texas is going to take their lead from New Yorkers? Hey, honey, I just got this New Yorker who came to the door. He wants me to vote against Governor Abbott, and he's going to leave. He came in a bus. He smells like hell, but it took him 45 minutes, 45 hours to get here, and he got in the same bus that the illegal immigrants that we bust to New York is. But so he wants us to vote for Beto O'Rourke. I think I'll do it. Not a chance. And that's how clueless this mayor is. He doesn't have how ridiculous he sounds, which you're right in saying you need federal help. You're right in saying that we're being overrun by illegal immigrants. You're right in saying no one's communicating with you what's happening. That's the same thing they're doing to governors as well as mayors. So you're right about that. Here's more from Eric Adams. Cut 27. I mean, it's unimaginable. Come to a country... Uh, your first visit here, someone is throwing you out, as the governor of Texas is doing, and then trying to navigate this complex country to deliver your services, and we're doing a, a good job in doing that. Yeah, it's unbelievable. You come to this country for a visit. No, no, you, you came to this country illegally. You decided not to make it official. You don't use a passport. You didn't pay for a flight. You're not fleeing persecution. I'm watching you get off these buses. You seem fine, great outfits, great shape. And look, I need work visas. We need people to get get on work visas. Absolutely. We need them in farms. We need them in landscaping trucks. We uh, we need some of our, our blue chip recruits that we're educating in colleges. We need ways that they can stay here easier. With all these other societies dying, I'd like for ours to grow. And that we should make it easier, no doubt. But if you're going to let everybody in, no one's ever going to negotiate with you. 
Meanwhile, here's Governor Hochul, who never should have been the governor, and hopefully she'll lose to Lee Zeldin. Cut 25. Top line message is, it is unconscionable that a governor would treat human beings as pawns in his chess game to score political points. That's not who we are as New Yorkers. We called it out. And I also stand with Mayor Adams on this issue in calling for the federal government for any additional services and support they can give us to deal with these people and allow them to live in dignity. We are the place, Holman Statue of Liberty, that's something we're very proud of. You are. So let him stay, right? Let him stay. Let's feed him. You know what they did at the Statue of Liberty? They went to Ellis Island first. They saw the Statue of Liberty, but they didn't get to New York City. They went to Ellis Island first. And then through whatever criteria it was in the era in which they came, they would go through. You could see this on Fox Nation, and it still stands as a museum. You could walk it yourself. They've already been screened before they got on buses and, excuse me, before they got on boats. And then they got here. They checked their paperwork again. They were asked how they could contribute, and then they would be judged. And if it was a tough decision, they'd go immediately to a courtroom that was on the premises. That is the American dream. That is a system Believe it or not, that worked. And when there were people that had to stay over, there were accommodations for them. There were pictures of all of them that came through. We all have our stories of people that came there. Maybe it's even your family that came through there. That has nothing to do with this. Here's Jonathan Fahey the, uh, from this morning. Cut 30. The irony of it is amazing because on one hand you have – Uh, Mayor Adams and New York City and other cities, the Democrat-run cities that are sanctuary cities that won't even kick out the most serious criminals. And he's been fully supportive of that and fully encouraging of illegal immigration. The sad thing is the American people pay an enormous cost from this, whether it's national security, drugs coming across the border, uh, increased drain on services. No question. And that's the DHS, uh, the DHS Deputy Assistant Secretary. Uh, he doesn't do that anymore, and he's outraged it would happen. He tried to stop illegal immigrants, tried to get hold of it. They are not trying. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for being here. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show coming to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country, heard around the world, and hopefully in the Ukraine where the fight continues to go on. We're not forgetting about that. John Levine will be with us at the bottom of the hour. And John, as you know, has been following the, uh, the Hunter Biden as it relates to President Biden aspect with the New York Post. So that's always great. And Senator Tim Scott is standing by. We spent a, a couple of days with him. Uh, in the past, he's also helped us out with our great uh, Frederick Douglass special, and he provided his perspective along with Lindsey Graham uh, of that freedom fighter. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Look at the winners in this pathetic Schumer Mansion reconciliation bill. Not ordinary working folks. The winners are the regulatory octopus agencies like the EPA destroying fossil fuels or the IRS destroying small businesses. Uh, that is, of course, Larry Kudlow detailing uh, details rolling in on the Manchin-Schumer climate bill. Not only is the nation not ready for this green transition, the IRS weaponizing will, be, have, will affect everyone negatively. Number two. I mean, it's unimaginable to come to a country... 
Uh, your first visit here, someone is throwing you out, as the governor of Texas is doing, and then trying to navigate this complex country, the delivery of services, and we're doing a, a good job in doing that. Really? Uh, border battle. Abbott versus Adams. The governor of Texas busing thousands of illegals to New York City. Mayor Adams claims this is anti-American. What is anti-American about allowing our border to collapse? Four million people to come here illegally. The good news is that soon President Biden will have to take action. Number one. You know, to hear the account of these ongoing negotiations and meetings into June, uh, you're still left with this question of why they decided to order the raid on the uh, residence of the former president. And Jonathan Turley, that's as outraged as you'll hear him. The Trump raid, the reaction, the fallout and the details and how suddenly 45 has a lot of momentum. Senator Tim Scott joins us now, author of America, a redemption story, choosing hope, creating unity. Uh, Senator, welcome back. Good morning, Brian. You have three big top issues without any question. Thank you for having me on to talk about those issues, as well as my new book, America Redemption Story. You got it. So, so Senator, I just got to tell you, on Truth Social, Donald Trump tweeted this out. I don't know if you know this or not, but today he's going to be deposed by the attorney general's lawyers who want to sue him about his business practices. No reason, no problem until he ran for president. Now they have a problem with stuff that he's done for the last 25 years. So he just wrote this. At the very um, at the very plush and expensive AG's office, nice working conditions as people are being murdered all over New York, and she spends her time and effort on trying to get Trump. It is pretty incredible, isn't it? Well, Brian, this witch hunt, so to speak, started before he ever was elected. A couple of days before he was uh, actually, I'm sorry, before he was inaugurated. A couple of days before his inauguration, the Washington Post runs a, a headline about impeaching the new president. So literally every single day since that day, they have been looking for a way to get this president. And for everyday Americans like you and me, Brian, that is a scary proposition when you can feel the political nature in the halls of justice. That is dangerous for everyday Americans and incredibly dangerous for the former president. I would think so. So today, uh, we know 48 hours ago, as your book was being released, they were storming Mar-a-Lago with him not there. Uh, you know, early this year, they took out 15 boxes of White House records. The president took them. They want them back. The archives did. Do you believe this is purely from the National Archives? Are they looking for something that's going to help the January 6th investigation? And what can you do to find out? I cannot imagine that they are literally looking for something on a Presidential Records Act. There's no way in the world that it's only about that. That would be shocking, stunning, and unprecedented. The truth is they continue to look for ways to literally put him in a corner and put the targets on him. It feels like to me. Here's what Lindsey Graham said, cut 15. But here's what I do know. I know doing this 90 days before an election reeks of politics. I know this is a dangerous precedent to set. Uh, And at the end of the day, there's a tremendous burden on the Department of Justice, in my view, to explain their actions, and I hope they will. I talked to the president just about an hour ago with Henry. One thing I can tell you is that I believed he was going to run before. I'm stronger in my belief now. Um, he's determined, and he has, believe it or not, Senator, he's got momentum. Absolutely, Brian. I think he has also the entire Republican Party, and frankly, independent voters are all galvanizing around him because we understand if it can happen to him, it can happen to all of us. We should all want a justice system that has Lady Justice blind, and it's certainly not that way today 
as it relates to the president and the search we just saw, the raid we just saw. I mean, you feel a little bit like I do. When I first heard this, I'm outraged. I was able to talk to Eric. I was actually off for a couple of days. I missed you in New York, and I saw you did a great job on The Five. Uh, let's wait Thank and you. see. I just could not believe. I said, wait a second. What's going on? What could bring them in there? What am I missing? You said, hey, what am I missing? Let's see how this plays out. And you got some blowback on that, didn't you? Yeah, well, what I meant was a very important point there. When I was talking to CBS, I'm, I'm telling my friends on the other side of the aisle, don't rush to judgment. We should all be outraged and unprecedented activities against the former president because literally the halls of justice are echoing injustice. There better be a smoking gun, literally or figuratively speaking, a dead body, because this is not only unprecedented, it is dangerous. It really polarizes the country. This President Biden says he's a great unifier. Well, the divisions in our country cannot be more palpable. I want to move on to illegal immigration. I've seen, though, what's going on with Texas. They decided to start shipping. They told volunteers, if you guys want to go to New York or D.C., hop in. And they've been sending buses there. That causes Eric Adams to say this. He's the mayor of New York City. Cut 27. I mean, it's unimaginable. Come to a country, uh, your first visit here, someone is throwing you out, as the governor of Texas is doing, and then trying to navigate this complex country to deliver your services. And we're doing a, a good job in doing that. We're just throwing them out to visiting the country like tourists? I mean, what's he not getting? Well, Brian, I guess he's not getting the impact of our southern border being so porous. He's not getting two million illegal crossings. And one of the smartest moves made by a governor in this country in the last 10 years is Governor Abbott making sure that the blue cities who are sanctuaries understand the pain and the difficulty in border towns and border states like Texas. It's one of the reasons why I continue to emphasize in America Redemption Story the importance of a fair justice system with equal application and the importance of controlling our southern border. And, and then in your book, Redemption Story, Redemption Story, because, listen, America started off, we had slavery. America, we had Jim Crow. Uh, we're, working our play, uh, uh, we're working our way to be a better nation every day and compared to the rest of the world. Uh, no one compares. But what do you mean by redemption? Well, Brian, I'm excited about where we are as a nation because I've seen so much progress over the last 50 years. Our liberal elite friends refuse to acknowledge significant gains in every single institution in this country. That is something we should all celebrate. And it's one of the reasons why, as you read through my book, America Redemption Story, you'll be proud of the progress of America. Why do you think we have a hard time realizing that? Why are we always saying, look at where, you know, look where we were. How dare we were a country born on slavery uh, because we, we, we exist on stolen land. Why do you think we choose in this over the last few years to focus on that? Well, there's something in the woke culture that wants to cancel American progress. There's something in the mirror that they don't like that they see within themselves because the truth is, that we are a flawed people. It's called being born, by the way. The truth is that we made progress, but we haven't just made step-by-step progress. We've made monumental leaps into a better future. I wish the left would spend more time looking out of the windshield of life and not in the rearview mirror. You, and in a way, I feel like you almost... 
I wouldn't say resent, but you wish you wouldn't people would always bring up race with you. You know, you want to talk about right, legislation. Right. You want to talk about working class to successful senator and the path you took in business and what you did in sports. And when I bring up race, I almost think it it, it pigeonholes you into a to a life story that you're bigger than. Brian, you make a really good point. One of the challenges that we face in this country is we focus so much on race, we miss redemption. We miss the fact that this country affords everyone, black or white, red or brown, the same opportunities to succeed. Can we do better? Yes. Are we doing better? Absolutely. We should celebrate our progress, and that will give us more momentum to deal with the remaining challenges. All right. Uh, lastly, this, with this Manchin-Schumer bill has nothing uh, to do with uh, inflation. And, and every body explains it. They don't even bring it up anymore. It is totally mislabeled intentionally and deceptively. It's going to cost $369 billion worth of green energy. Is this country ready for the green transition? Brian, we are not. This country cannot afford an Inflation Reduction Act that could actually increase inflation. The problem with inflation today, Brian, you know this really well, is that government spends too much money. Having a bill that spends even more money at some point will mean either more headwinds for employers, which means fewer wages, wage increases for employees, or it will mean having the IRS come look at your personal files as they audit your business. Bernie Sanders says that this is not an inflation reduction bill. I'm, I'm on this point. I'm going to agree with Bernie for the first time. I agree. I agree that uh, he should. But listen to Senator what Chris Kuhn said. Cut 32. And while we may not see huge impacts on inflation in the first or second year, Treasury secretaries who've served in both Democratic and Republican administrations support this bill. And the AARP, who I trust as the voice of seniors in America, says this will make a big impact on prescription drug prices. But not about inflation, which you said it was. And where does prescription drugs fit in with electric cars? It is an agenda right, right. instead of instead of what the country needs. Brian, let me say this. I, I don't want to take too long to say it, but think this through for a second. The CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, says that the IRS raising $300 billion will come from people making less than $200,000. The tax credits and subsidies go to people making as high as $300,000. So people making 50% more money will be the beneficiaries of people making middle income and less in America. That is just wrong. Right now, the market's up 519 points because inflation went from 9.1 to 8.7. Gas is down 50 cents. I I worry that we're getting, we're celebrating $4 a gallon gas because it's not five, as opposed to not being 235 and being angry. Are you? I am indeed. There's no doubt that when President Trump was in office December 2020 in South Carolina, gas was $1.99. Right now, it's about 350. Here's one of the things that you haven't heard in the press recently. The reason why gas prices are coming down is because demand is down. Demand is down because we're teetering on a recession. That is not good news. Lastly, uh, you are uh, introducing legislation to combat COVID learning loss. What legislation and what are you looking to do? I want to empower parents. We are the party of parents. Every single time we create a scholarship like the one I create that allows for parents to take the resources that have not been spent, 93 percent 
of the money that we've given to schools through the ARPA has not been spent. Let's give that money to parents. Let them make up for education loss by hiring tutors or going to a private school. Whatever it takes, let's educate America's children. All right. Uh, Senator, congratulations on your book. It is now out. Pick it up. America, a redemption story, choosing hope, creating unity. Thanks, Senator. I'll see you soon. God bless. Thank you, Brian. Peace. You got it. one 866 we're going to get the latest on Hunter Biden. The President of the United States is speaking now about a veterans bill on burn pits that he got passed. Uh, and uh, that got passed through the Senate and through the House. So he's celebrating that. He's got a few legislative wins, but are they wins for America? And he's giving credit now to John Stewart in the audience who screamed at people for a week. Back in a moment. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. You look at this White House now and it's hard to imagine two FBI agents ending up in the state room. How did that happen? I sent them. Um, <laughs> um, something we, I probably wouldn't have done or maybe gotten away with in a more organized investigation, a more organized administration. I thought it's early enough. Let's just send a couple guys over. (laughs) And so uh, we placed a call to Flynn, said, hey, we're sending a couple guys over. Uh, Hope you'll talk to them. He said, sure. Nobody else was there. They interviewed him in a conference room at the White House Situation Room, and he lied to them. And that's what he's now pled guilty to. What did he think they were coming over there for? Uh, I don't think he knew. I know we didn't tell him. So that was a total James Comey proud of the fact that he duped a, a lieutenant general into saying something about a investigation that it told out to be a total sham and bragging about the disorganiza- disorganization of the Trump administration that he wanted to take advantage of. This is our own FBI turning on our own government that he said was disorganized. And it turns out the lieutenant general who became national security advisor at the time took a call from a Russian ambassador while he was on vacation, I believe in Puerto Rico, right before he was about to start with Donald Trump, wanted to take a few days off. So he did talk to the Russians about that. And he did say to them to the UN, don't overreact to what Barack Obama's doing. We're coming in now. I'd rather not open up with sanctions. And that's what he was saying. In retrospect, it's something done every single time. It just happened on this transition. And he entrapped the guy. And he's bragging about it. And they're laughing about it in New York City. Such an embarrassment at times to live here. That audience thinks it's funny. And James Comey thinks he did something good. This guy also bragged about taking documents from the FBI, having a friend at the at Columbia University write a column condemning what went on using his intelligence as information? And that was his friend, James Comey's friend, who is trying to clear the decks because he knows he was going to get himself in some legal trouble. Remember all that stuff. As now we see the FBI weaponized and going into Mar-a-Lago. I'm not sure what they went in for or what they're going to get, but it's kind of scary to think that people are going to investigate you about what happened in Georgia. They're going to investigate you about what's happening with your business. It's happening right now if you're Donald Trump. And they're going to investigate you about January 6th. With business, it's a total witch hunt. In Georgia, I didn't love the way the president acted. He really thinks he was robbed in that state. I don't see evidence of that. I see signature match and things to that nature, but didn't cost him the state. But he was too aggressive on it, whatever. He does not deserve to be indicted on it. 
And on January 6th, there is no counter-narrative. All it is is people speaking out against Trump. If you speak for him, we're uncertain. It doesn't make the cut in the presentation. So the FBI providing more information and, I guess, intelligence in order to possibly bring a Justice Department suit against the President of the United States. The result will be financial challenges, no question, and he won't be able to run if convicted. Maybe that's the ultimate goal. When we come back, John Levine's going to join us from the New York Post. He's going to compare how the Russia investigation and with Hunter Biden, a little bit different the way Trump is treated as opposed to Hunter as relates to how Hunter and his dad work together in international business that could be compromising our foreign policy right now. That's a four-year investigation that's still ongoing. So glad you're here. Brian Kilmeade Show. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. What has happened is completely unconstitutional. It's a violation of the democracy that we have created. They are the people supposed to be defending the democracy, and instead they are destroying it. Our country should be terrified. I am terrified. I can tell you that he was not only working with them, he was cooperating, there was nothing to hide, and he was working in tandem, allowed them into Mar-a-Lago, and the point is they went in when he wasn't even there, and then told his attorneys to leave. They couldn't even be on premises. That doesn't sound good to me. Alina Haba, who's one of the president's attorneys, uh, was talking about how bad things were when they were raided, how unfair it was. They told him they shut down surveillance cameras. They didn't. Spoke to Eric Trump the night it happened. He said, we watched it all, and we've seen it all back from multiple angles. They were there for hours. They pulled out material. They went through his storage locker. They went through his actual safe. They went through his personal residence. They went through his office. They went through Melania's clothing and wardrobe. With me right now is John Levine, New York Post writer. And a lot of people, John, are contrasting this the way the president and his son are handled and investigated over four years that you've been covering as well as anyone in the country and the way the president's being investigated. Are you? Yeah, you know, it's really it's pretty unprecedented. I don't think we've ever had a, a residence of a former president raided like this. You know, certainly, you know, they, they weren't expecting it. It was dead of night. They did it deliberately after the, the home was shut down for the season. I mean, Trump and his family are up in Bedminster now. And it, it seems like a lot. It seems like a real, a lot for just, you know, I think they said, oh, there were, it was boxes for records he shouldn't have taken. That seems like something which really could have been handled through the legal system. And, you know, if, if boxes were taken improperly that needed to be returned, I'm sure that could have been worked out in the legal system. I don't, I don't know what necessitated the raid. Um, it's it's a it's a very big escalation of whatever investigation they're working on. And, you know, I can't help but think, you know, in in all the years Hunter Biden has been being investigated for 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 various alleged crimes and and, and you know, very obvious you know criminal violations, which appear on the laptop. I don't ever recall hearing about an FBI raid of any residence Hunter has ever stayed in. So, so here's there is the, an unequal yeah. application. Here's the timeline. January, 21, January 2021, Trump leaves office. Late 2021, National Archives reaches out to the Trump team and says, hey, uh, you took classified information. 
Uh, in January of 2022, so about a few months later, Trump team voluntarily gives back 15 missing boxes. In June, high-level DOJ officials meet at Mar-a-Lago, and Trump stops by meeting and says hello. Negotiations were continuing. Between June and August, there was a warrant given, requested and given, and then we have the raid on the 7th. Uh, the prosecutors submit affidavit. They get their warrant. On the 8th, they have their raid. They did not tell the local FBI agency. They did. The president said he did not know through his spokesperson. People in the know say there is no way the White House wouldn't have signed off on this. Where do you stand, John? I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I completely agree with the last thing you just said. I mean, there's no way you're going to be you're going to be busting into a former president's home, a likely 2024 presidential contender, unless this got signed off from the highest officials like not just the White House, but also probably the Justice Department, too. Here is uh, what Lindsey Graham uh, says about what he's asking for. Cut 14. Is it plausible the FBI would open up an investigation of Donald Trump without merit? Hell yeah, they've done it before. So when here Axelrod say it's not plausible that Merrick Garland would open up an investigation without significant evidence, where were you doing crossfire hurricane when they opened up an investigation on the Republican dominee Donald Trump with a bunch of BS? So how do you clear all this up? Tell us the predicate for the warrant. Reveal the affidavit. This is too important to democracy. We're, de- we're in uncharted, dangerous waters. So I'm calling on Merrick Garland tonight to address the nation as to why this happened. Lay your cards out on the table because you're, you're doing a lot of damage to the country. That was last night. It didn't happen yet. I mean, one thing I'm seeing, John, and, is that the Democrats are getting their, their message is getting overwhelmed by this raid. And even some people like Andrew Cuomo and Mitch McConnell seem to have questions about how you could do this and worry about the precedent. Yeah, I mean, I worry about the precedent, too. Are we going to just because, you know, you have to think about the next administration. Are we going to have are we going to have is this going to be a thing now where, where the, you know, whoever replaces Biden, the next Republican president just sends sends troops into their home to, to rifle through their papers? You know, I will say Trump shouldn't have taken those boxes, probably, if they had classified information. And that was probably an error. And I don't you know, and I think the, the news reports of him flushing the documents down the toilet probably <laughs> didn't didn't help, you know, matters in terms of his negotiation with the feds. But um, it's, it is uncharted waters, and it is certainly an application of justice that's not spread uniformly to all people who are being investigated, you know, by the FBI, like Hunter Biden. And I, I do think there needs to be transparency um, about why this raid happened and what was the justification. And, and Senator Graham is right. We spent three years on the Steele dossier, which was just just fabricated, you know, nonsense material and about the the Russia collusion, you know, situation. We had a whole special prosecutor and it was it was bogus. It was nothing. It was debunked. And, you know, and that was so I the the, the, our law enforcement agencies are not above this kind of stuff on completely fabricated, you know, information. So I just think transparency is the way to go. And maybe it was justified. You know, let's not rule out that no one's above the law. Maybe there was a good reason to do this. But the key thing is we just don't know. And I think we should know. So how unbelievable is this and how tone deaf Hillary Clinton promoted her, but her emails hat uh, and she's wearing while the raid was taking place. Does Hillary Clinton aware that there are 35,000 missing emails from her? Is she aware that people understand that the dossier was commissioned by her? 
Was she unaware of the fact that the Hillary Clinton camp and minions were the ones that kept this going for the next for the two years afterwards? And this whole the the reason why she did it was to deflect tension from her emails. Is she not aware that they use bleach bit to wipe out hard drives and smash right. the rest? So, I mean, right. to me, to be that tone deaf or feel impervious to an investigation is mind boggling. Right. I don't I don't recall feds descending on the Chappaqua home of Bill and Hillary or the Clinton Foundation to to, to seize to seize. The, I don't recall anyone going through Hillary Clinton's wardrobe. Not yet. <laughs> FBI. Yeah. So, like, I, again, it's the it's the it's just a different standard of of the application of justice, you know, what is the latest, uh, John uh, John uh, Levine with us now with the New York Post. John, what's the latest on the investigation? It's four years in and running with Hunter Biden. You have more witnesses. You have people. You have resources. You have a laptop authenticated. What is the holdup towards anything or nothing, exonerate or prosecute? Well, you know, we, we, we had the reporting a few weeks ago that the investigation, the, the DOJ investigation, had reached a quote-unquote critical stage. And everyone was kind of in a frenzy about our charges going to come out. And then we kind of – it's kind of a nothing burger. We're still sort of waiting. Um, you know, what I can tell you is that the if, – if Republicans take back the House, that investigation is going to include the intelligence agencies. They're going to do a fulsome look under the hood of the intelligence agencies, particularly people who led intelligence agencies while uh, Joe Biden was vice president and while Hunter Biden was – you know, running around with all of his schemes in foreign countries, people like John Brennan and Leon Panetta and James Clapper. These are people who signed a letter saying that the Russia, that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. They signed a letter saying it was Russian disinformation. And they would have had to have known what Hunter was up to when when Joe was vice president. They led intelligence agencies. These are men who could find a terrorist in the middle of Waziristan and do and do a precision strike drone. But that they would have no idea what the second son was up to, what Joe Biden's son was up to when he was vice president, it's very, very hard to believe. And so then the question becomes, why would they say it was Russian disinformation when they had to have known it wasn't? Why would they, why would they lie about that? And, and, you know, obviously they're not going to answer that question for me, but that is something they might have to answer under a congressional subpoena. And that might come next year. And whistleblowers have stepped forward to say it was a concerted effort by the FBI to make sure that was squelched to the FD of the election. Now they can't help but have it uh, uh, bubble up. But you've been there before it was bubbling up. And lastly, just an announcement. You could take it what you will. As you know, the president is being deposed today by Attorney General Letitia James's lawyers, at which time she's gonna, he's going to defend his business practices and did he inflate his uh, net worth and the, and the worth of his properties in order to get loans. Now, all of a sudden, they're of interest. Last mayor was begging him to invest and buy golf uh, courses and save them like the one in the Bronx. So Trump has taken the fifth on all of it. I know you're not a lawyer, John, but what do you think that means? Well, it's his right to take the fifth. I mean, look, he was a, he was a businessman in New York for decades. And I don't, you know, now all of a sudden, after he's president, we have we have to we have to investigate all these different aspects of his business that would have been out in the open for decades, for 20 years. So it's just very it, it's again, it's very if Trump were not president, do you think we'd be having these Letitia James investigations right now? And of course, the answer is no. I mean, a big part of her campaign platform is prosecuting Trump. Prosecuting Trump is a political issue that 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 right. is that that a lot of politicians in my city and our city have latched on to. But it's it's not necessarily one that 
is motivated by the facts on the ground. It's motivated right. by, you know, their political careers. So, John, I want you to hear why the president says this is a witch hunt. And I 100 percent agree in this case, especially. Listen. What is fueling my soul right now is Trump. Will you sue him for us? Oh, we're going to definitely sue him. We're going to be a real pain in the ass. I look forward to going into the office of attorney general every day, suing him and then going home. He said, I know my name personally. This is as he took office, she gets the job. So I'm going to sue Trump. Can you imagine that? Someone waking up and going, OK, I'm just going to sue John Levine. I'm going to sue Brian Kilmeade. Right. I'm gonna, and, and just and telling why, everyone that. Right. That's why I think in the long run, I don't know that this case is going to go anywhere just because, I mean, she basically said, I just, I'm just doing this because it, it's a political thing. She's, she's put it out in the open that this is this is this is part of a political plank of her of her political identity. To, to prosecute him. And, you know, again, these were all things he did decades ago. So why not prosecute them decades ago if they were criminal? And, you know, that's a question she's going to have to answer. Absolutely. Or people around her will have to answer. Hey, John, we should have went to law school. We would probably have been a lot easier to handle all these breaking news stories. Uh, because like it, my mother. Oh, I know. <laughs> but it just seems like there's a legal aspect to all of it. Uh, John Levine, thanks so much. All right, no problem. Thank you for having me. You got it. When we come back, I'll take your calls. one 408 from around the country, from around the world. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Learning something new every day on the Brian Kilmeade Show. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I've never seen President President Trump as fired up as what he was tonight. He is not deterred. He's not phased at all by what the DOJ has done to him. An unprecedented move of raiding the home of a former president and not at all explaining to the American people about why they did it. But House Republicans, we took there were a dozen of us that visited with President Trump tonight. And that's uh, Jim Banks. He was there and, you know, the, his good friends. And they said if they get the House back, they'll start firing up and firing on uh, uh, firing up these investigations. It'll be a frustrating situation if they don't get the Senate and they don't have the White House, which they won't. Uh, but they'll be able to stop a lot of things and maybe investigate some. But it's not going to follow through anywhere. But it's going to set the table for what do you want more in 2024? Who do you want to be in charge? Here's more from Banks. Cut 13. Or 12. I really believe if he gets out and hits the campaign trail, he's going to fire up Republicans and, and, and non-traditional Republicans to come out to the polls in November to fight back against the corruption of this administration, what they've done to tear America apart, to weaponize the Department of Justice in such an un-American way, uh, to, to go after the political, the chief and primary political opponent of the current president, of the United States is something we've never seen before in American history. And that, that outrage is going to lead to a massive turnout of Americans who are, who are going to say, we're not going to take it anymore. We're going to take back our country from Joe Biden, the radical Democrats, and, and those who would abuse their power in such a way. Well, a couple of things. I, you know, I, I appreciate Congressman Banks. And I know that he was just left the White House, excuse me, just left the president, former president. I don't think it's good for anybody in their party for the president to come out and declare before the election because he's such a polarizing figure. And, and even though you – instead of people liking him, like they like George Bush, they like Jimmy Carter, they like Gerald Ford, but they didn't love him. 
So even if you lose, the way that people love and have loyalty to Trump, I've never seen it before. But it doesn't mean it's over 45%. It doesn't mean he's been had people converted. It just doesn't. And I think going out before makes it really easy for Democrats in small and big uh, districts to go, yeah, I'm running against Trump. You want to give Trump uh, back the White House? Vote for this guy. You know, don't vote. You know, vote for me. If I'm, I'm the stopgap. You, if you're Trump, just keep your head down till after November. Go out and raise money for these candidates till after November. And around Thanksgiving, I talked to Kevin McCarthy about it. That would be seen to be a much better thing. Let's go out to Bruce listening in uh, York, Pennsylvania. Hey, Bruce. Hi, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. I live in the uh, 10th Congressional District of Pennsylvania, which is the one that Scott Perry lives in. He's my rep. And I want to know, years ago, not too long ago, there was a terrorist who was killed, and his cell phone was found, and they went to the cell phone carrier to unlock it. And the cell phone carrier said no. They had to hire an Israeli firm to get it unlocked. Does our representative have the right, because it wasn't taken legally with a proper search warrant, can he call, contact the cell phone company Bruce, to lock Bruce, that for one thing, phone up? And great they- great uh, point. But I don't know that it was taken illegally. It seems that the FBI went up to him and took it. They seemed that they went to a judge first. I will get confirmation on that. Uh, no question about it. That's a good point. You can go take somebody's phone if you can open it up. But the thing is, if you walk up to a terrorist, he's not giving it to you legally. You go open up. You want to open up. You go to a judge. You can't open it. It's encrypted. You didn't have that problem with Scott Perry because I don't think there was any encryption there. It didn't seem to be. But overall, just some breaking news just to give you up to date. When we started this day, the president of the United States got a bunch of things on his plate. Number one, George is deciding whether to indict him. And then you have the uh, January 6th committee where the Department of Justice is going to indict him. Then you have the raid on his house. And now you have Lachissa James, the attorney general in New York. He's in New York now, the president. But he's staying in Bedminster. He closed down Mar-a-Lago. No one goes there in the summer. It's just too hot. And he is decided to plead the fifth. Now, they're trying to make him defend his business practices, which I'm sure you can, especially when it comes to real estate. I got this building. You go up to one bank and you say, if you can if you can refinance this building, I'll use that money to do this. How much is this building worth? You go ahead and you do what you want, and it's up to them to audit that building and decide what is it really worth, have inspection. And they're trying to drill down on his extremely intricate complicated business dealings and trying to find some unsavory activity. They were unable to do in the Southern District of New York, so they're going to depose Ivanka, Eric, Don Jr., and the President of the United States. The President said, to heck with this, I'm taking the fifth. What does that mean legally? I have to I have to have a full-time attorney to do this show. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Go to briankilmeade.com. Find out when I'm going to be at the Egg. It's going to be September 8th in Albany, New York. I want to see everybody there. There's some front row seats left and some in the back. Be one of them. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. John Iarelli is uh, standing by. He is a uh, he is a member of the executive staff of the FBI Cyber Division. Uh, retired FBI agent and member of the FBI SWAT team as well. And then we'll do a simulcast with Harris Faulkner on the Faulkner Focus on Fox News Channel. Saturday was fun. I'll host Tucker tonight at 8 o'clock, filling in for Tucker Carlson, taking the week off. 
Will Kane was there last night. And, of course, we've got One Nation that we're still preparing, we're preparing for now to get set for Saturday at 8 o'clock. So busy day. I will, before we get to the big three, I will say this. The President of the United States, when sitting down with the Attorney General's lawyers, Letitia James, took the fifth today when asked to defend his business practices. He wrote this in a statement. I was once asked, if you're innocent, why are you taking the Fifth Amendment? Now I know the answer to that question, Trump said in a release. When your family, your company, and the people in your orbit have become the targets of an unfounded, politically motivated witch hunt, supported by lawyers, prosecutors, and the fake news media, you have no choice. Big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Look at the winners in this pathetic Schumer Mansion reconciliation bill. Not ordinary working folks. The winners are the regulatory octopus agencies like the EPA destroying fossil fuels or the IRS destroying small businesses. Details rolling out on the Mansion Schumer climate bill. Not only is the nation not ready for a green, a green transition, the IRS has been fortified and weaponized in a way that will affect all of us. Number two. I mean, it's unimaginable. Come to a country, uh, your first visit here, someone is throwing you out, as the governor of Texas is doing, and then try to navigate this complex country to deliver your services, and we're doing a, a good job in doing that. Oh, my God. Adams versus Abbott. Mayor Adams is totally clueless. You don't visit. You invaded a country. You came here illegally. The governor of Texas is busing thousands of illegals to New York City. Mayor Adams now says it's anti-American. What a joke. Number one. You know, to hear the account of these ongoing negotiations and meetings into June, uh, you're still left with this question of why they decided to order the raid on the uh, residence of the former president. The Trump raid, the reaction, the fallout, the details, and now suddenly 45 is a lot of momentum, believe it or not. Let's bring in John Yannarelli, uh, a retired FBI guy. John, welcome. Good morning, Brian. Hey, John, was it unusual, first off, that the local FBI bureau was not alerted that they were going into Mar-a-Lago in Florida? It is unusual. It, they're probably working the case strictly from Washington, and they're worried about bringing it, anyone else into the conversation. They want to keep it as they need to know. Generally, what the FBI will do is they will contact the local office, and that local office will go out and execute a search warrant. In this case, a peer's agents travel to Florida for the search. So if it's an empty building full of landscapers and workers – Oh, why does it necessary to go with 30 armed guys uh, and have guys in bulletproof vests on the outside? And why go in like that, that heavy? Well, it's standard operating procedure. You always prepare for the worst because you never know what's going to happen. There's been times where we've gone into houses in the FBI that a fairly basic search, a white collar matter, and somebody gets upset, pulls a weapon and starts shooting not to say that was going to happen, but you just never know. You always do things methodically the same way for everyone's safety. So does it seem unusual to you that this is the timeline? January 2021, Trump leaves the White House with documents. Uh, National Archives wants him back late 2021. They get 15 back in January of 2022. In June, they have more high-level meetings. In August, they get the warrant. On the 8th, they go in. What what happened in between there? What questions do you have, being at the time, knowing that what we know about this? My question would be, is what was the breakdown that was so dramatic that they decided to go nuclear 
and execute a search warrant. When I have dealt with searches, and I've done hundreds of searches, Brian, there's always breakdowns in communications with attorneys. That's the nature of the business. They're arguing for their client. We're arguing for the side of the government. There had to be something so dramatic to say that not only were they not cooperating, but now claiming that we're going to release unclassified information that should otherwise be kept secret. It would have to be that kind of situation. Otherwise, it's just absolutely unimaginable that this would have occurred. And I speculate it probably wasn't that significant. The government probably wanted to execute this search. Obviously. Uh, so when asked, did the White House know? Uh, here's what the spokesperson said. Cut three. Was the president or anyone at the White House aware of that search warrant, or had, has anyone at the White House or the president been briefed in the aftermath of that search warrant being executed? No. The president was not briefed, did not, was not aware of it, no. No one at the White House was given uh, a heads up, no. That did not happen. So I talked to a member, uh, two members of the Trump team, and they said they know what it's like to run a White House, and they said there's no way you do not brief the president before you do something like this. What do you think, John? So there are issues that I have been involved in at headquarters that were much less significant. Let's face it, the search down in Florida is about as significant as you get. Those lesser significant issues had to be briefed to the White House. Let's remember the Attorney General works for the President of the United States. It's part of the, ex- uh, the whole system and the executive staff. There's reasons you would brief the White House, including you wouldn't want the White House to be caught off guard or be embarrassed. Whether or not the president himself was brief, but there's no way they did not talk to somebody in the White House. I think it's disingenuous to say otherwise. When you go in there, you say, I'm in there. I, did you read the warrant? I have not seen the warrant. Uh, either have I. But I hear it's, uh, it's based on the uh, uh, documents in, uh, from the National Archives. But if I go in there, am I also going in there on behalf of Merrick Garland's quest to see if he should prosecute the president or not? Be judging by what's coming out of the January 6th hearings? Am I looking, hey, I'm looking to see if documents are here, but by the way, if something says Steve Bannon's plan with the President of the United States to storm the Capitol on January 6th, I turn that over. Well, under the law, what you have to do is stick to the four corners of the warrant. You go in, it's very specific what you're searching for. Now, if you found obvious things of criminality. So it wasn't uncommon. I'd go in in a white collar search and I would find significant drugs. Well, guess what? I can hold the scene, but I got to get a warrant and take all that uh, later on. I can't just go looking to see what else I might be able to find. And so that kind of fishing expedition is totally in violation of what our Constitution is all about. Andy McCabe, I don't know why he's used as an analyst. He should be feeling disgraced. But here's what he said on CNN, cut nine. The FBI would not have taken a step as drastic and serious as this unless they had good information to indicate that this was the result of some knowing, willful, uh, intentional acts of removing classified documents or sensitive documents, documents in violation of some federal laws. What do you think? First of all, there, were in, there was a time where the FBI would not have taken a step at all because it's the former president of the United States. That's what attorneys are for, negotiation, et cetera. 
Likewise, Andy's comments are totally speculative. He's saying what the FBI would not have done. But you know what? The FBI doesn't just do this. It's not only the FBI, but it has to be the Attorney General of the United States who personally signs off on this type of warrant. So DOJ was heavily involved in this. And the fact is, we don't know yet. I want to see the affidavit. I want to see what the reasoning was for the FBI, the affidavit in support of this warrant, what gave them justification, what evidence was presented to a judge to say that we have to do something that's unprecedented, never done in the history of the United States before, and we need to do it now. Do you worry Tell about why? Do you worry about the bureau? I mean, judging by, you know, we have a whistleblower came out and talked about how they they were not comfortable the way the Hunter Biden uh, laptop was handled. You have this would happen. You had the whole situation with McCabe and Strzok and Page and all these guys and move, Comey and moving forward on the on the Russia investigation where there was no there there. And then you got their true feelings and sentiments about how they felt about Trump voters and Trump himself. And do you worry about this just adding to the politicization of the bureau? I'll tell you what I worry about, Brian. I don't worry about the rank and file agents because nobody joins the FBI to become a political operative. I worry about the executive staff, those at the high rungs in the FBI. It has become absolutely politicized, and frankly, they need the clean house at some point. That the FBI should have remained a non-political agency, and right now, that's all you're seeing is politics. Even if this was a correct search warrant to have executed, the perception is that it's incredibly political. And for that very reason alone, this is something that the FBI director should have pushed back on and said, no, this is not a position the FBI can be put in because you know why? It makes it hard for the agents working every other case in the FBI to get their job done because the American public are losing trust in the FBI. You, I'd like to see that change. Do you believe they have to come forward and say what they were doing and what they were up against, uh, why they had to do the raid that they did? Because you even have people like Andrew Cuomo, Mitch McConnell is an arch enemy of the president of the United States, say, God, God, you have to tell me what was behind this. What do you think? Absolutely. And that's why the affidavit that's written in support of the search warrant, you write a search warrant, but you have to have an affidavit attesting to all the facts of why this search warrant is necessary. That's what a judge also sees and signs off on. That hasn't been made public yet by the government. And that's what I'm waiting to see to see why this occurred. All right, John Yannarelli, uh, thanks so much. Thank you, Brian. All right, uh, the FBI perspective, uh, a retired guy talking about what's happening now. Uh, doesn't recognize uh, the higher-ups, but the, the rank and file doing their job. All right, when we come back, I'll open up the phones. Bottom of the hour, we do a simulcast with Harris Faulkner. And don't forget, on Tucker tonight at 8 o'clock, and don't forget the uh, One Nation, Saturday at 8 p.m. and repeated at 11 p.m., uh, and I'll be able to host that. So don't move. Brian Kilmeade Show. Miss a show? Have to tune out early? No problem. Download the podcast at com. Every episode, exclusive interviews on demand. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
a radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Once inside, they had access to everything, to the Trump's private quarters, and they also had access to a separate part of the building in which Donald Trump's office was, plus they went down to the sort of basement storage room, which had been locked, where these 15 boxes of presidential documents had been held since the General Services Administration had packed them up after Trump's presidency in January and shipped them to Mar-a-Lago, where they been kept under lock and key. That is Miranda Devine, knows as much about that as anybody. Great access to Mar-a-Lago. And uh, we'll see about the raid. Got details on it, lasted for hours. Nobody announced. They broke a lock. They got in. They told the lawyer to stand on the side. They arrived late. Lawyers were not notified. But they were able to watch, and they have it all on video, all the uh, cameras. They told them to shut off the cameras. The Trump team did not. Henry, you're listening in Virginia. Hey, Henry. Brian, how you doing, buddy? Good. What's on your mind? Hey, you know, you know the story of the wag the dog, right? Yep. This is a wag the dog. They want you to take your eyeballs off all the mess that's going on with the Biden administration and all the the the, the, the economy with Ukraine and Normally China. I agree with you, but Taiwan. Henry, Henry, they feel like they won over the last few weeks. You got the chips bill, the bur- the uh, burn pits bill, uh, got those passed, and they passed that horrible green. Uh, New Deal bill, which they named the um, uh, Anti-Inflation Act, and which is total false. So this was their moment to take a bow. I don't think the timing worked for them. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. It's a, it, that was the uh, Build Back Better baby deal. It was a small one. But I think what my point is this, that now they've thrown all the stuff at Trump, and he's just going to get stronger and stronger because America's kind of seeing through this. Um, you've heard of the, the story of, remember, I grew up in New York City, but uh, Don Gotti, we call him John Gotti, the Don. I, I really feel the President Trump is going to be the Teflon Don because they keep throwing this stuff at him and none of it's going to stick and he's just going to get stronger and stronger. Henry, thanks. Billy, WOKV. Hey, Billy. Billy, you're on. WOKV, Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah, I gotcha. Brian, sorry about that. Didn't want to bother you with the outside noises. Hey, two things on this. Number one, the archives came back so fast, less than 24 hours after Trump was out of there, the archives came back with, we're missing something, you need to get it back. Uh, It's something specific. And then number two, they got so aggressive with this warrant and this raid, yeah. That it's something really, really important. So I think it's something incriminating that Trump's got that incriminates either current president or Obama or the Democratic Party in general. And they got to have it back and out of his hands. Well, that's interesting because a lot of people say, well, you know, this, the Records Act is a battle with the Obama administration and he wants certain things for his library. And, you know, there's there's uh, almost every administration's got some type of conflict. You know, Clinton's famously took the furniture, but no one's ever got their 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 house raided. This guy got his house raided. They're going through Melania's wardrobe for an hour. Lowell listening in Indiana. Lowell. Hey, how you doing? Good. What's on your mind? How you doing, man? Yeah, uh, the Republicans, uh, they seem to be impotent because we don't have the house in the—, the uh, Senate. But I believe that they're most like uh, the Democrats. They want everything to happen that's happening, and they're not doing anything about it. They're just as corrupt as the Democrats. I don't know. I don't know. You can tell me Jim Jordan is happy the way things are going. You're going to tell me Rand Paul 
I don't think any Republican is happy. I really don't. Maybe Mitt Romney a little bit. but I think we should hear from them, though. I think you uh, are. I mean, all we hear, we hear from the people that come on your show. All right. But we don't hear that they're uh, suing people for breaking the law. The, you know, Democrats are suing this and that. We've got some Republicans suing them for this and that. But I want to hear all the Republicans. If they're not complicit in this, I want to hear them all. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Here's Byron York. Uh, I said this with Laura last night. Cut 22. Secrecy is what creates a lot of confusion and a lot of ill will in these cases. Go back to the two years of the Trump-Russia matter. You would have some leak of a snippet of information, Mm. and then some commentators in the media would just spin crazy conspiracy theories based on it. And after a while, you had supposedly reasonable people saying that the president was a Russian asset. All of it was because the full information was being kept secret at the time. It wasn't until a more than two-year special counsel investigation found collusion could not even be established. So the secrecy fed that speculation, and it can all happen again unless the Justice Department comes out and has some transparency. That's true. And again, we're speculating on this Mueller report. What's happening? Where's Robert Mueller? He's not there. What are people saying behind closed doors to the grand jury? Uh, who's going in? Who's being raided? Roger Stone being shaken down. Paul Manafort's in solitary. All mystery. Just come out and just say, this is what we're investigating. This is what we're looking for. This is what we got. And then it would, it would end a lot of the consternation. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. In a few moments, we're going to be on Fox News Focus on F, uh, on Fox News Channel. So we're going to be talking about this raid and talk about what Hillary Clinton's doing, which I think is terrible. She, but And it's totally mindless and stupid. She is actually putting out a thing. Uh, uh, she's selling memorabilia and different uh, souvenirs that say things like, oh, about those emails. Because she wants to take advantage of the problems that Donald Trump is having now with Letitia James in New York, with, with the having with the, her his Mar-a-Lago being raided, with Georgia investigation. Does she understand that she got away with murder, not literally murder? But when you talk about 30,000 emails being disappeared, don't even know where they are, bleach bit off the hard drive, a smash phone. She has all these things that went on. She has a prominent role with her campaign paying for the Steele dossier. So let's listen in together to the setup, and then we'll take questions after. Some on the left have signaled support for it, but in the past have accused former President Trump of weaponizing the DOJ on various issues. Representatives Jamie Raskin, Pramila Jayapal, and Adam Schiff all accused then-President Trump and former Attorney General Bill Barr of conspiring to get information against their political enemies. In 2019, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi also accused Trump of weaponizing the DOJ over California fuel efficiency standards. But it seems at least a couple of them have changed their tune. Break out the violin. Watch. 
So I don't really have too much to say except that uh, to have a, a, a visit like that, you need a warrant. To have a warrant, you need justification. And uh, that says that no one is above the law. The great thing about the separation of powers is we knew nothing about that. Everybody in America, and speaking as a citizen, uh, we all have an interest in the rule of law in the country and respect for the rule of law. Brian Kilmeade, Fox and Friends co-host and host of One Nation on Saturday night and host of his own radio show going on right now. Hello to his listeners. Brian, you can say hi to the viewers. Yes. And take it away on this hypocrisy. It's unbelievable. The Department of Justice politicized under Trump but not politicized under President Biden. It, it suspends disbelief. The other thing is for the president to say he doesn't know and for the White House through his press secretary to say he doesn't know is nuts. We just had we talked to two different FBI agents over the last two and a half hours, and they said that they had to inform the White House under much lesser cases. Can you imagine raiding the 45th president's house and not telling President Biden what was more important than that? Did his dog suddenly have a, a problem? I mean, what was more interesting? I mean, he was isolated at one point. He did, was he on call waiting? You couldn't get in touch with him and say, hey, Mr. President, by the way, the archive says it's an emergency. We have to get our documents back, even though we're in talks with the 45th president to get them back, like we were with the Obamas as they're setting up their library, like they were mm-hmm. with the Clintons as they try to get back their uh, furniture. Instead, let's just do a raid. I couldn't get a hold of the president. Let's do it anyway. So that, that's the issue. I mean, they don't think that we have a VCR. Or, Harris, that you have a, a staff to pull this stuff in to show people how hypocritical they are. So true. The judge who signed off on the Mar-a-Lago search, Brian, that search warrant, has donated thousands of dollars to political campaigns, giving thousands to Barack Obama's 2008 campaign and more money to the Obama Victory Fund. He also gave $500 to Jeb Bush's campaign in 2016. Uh, you know, as you dig deeper on Judge Reinhardt, though, you find out some interesting connections in his background. Jeffrey Epstein, number one, he seems to defend uh, seems to defended a lot of people with that case. Number one, number two, like you mentioned, he did donate to Jeb Bush failed uh, presidential campaign, uh, in particular that situation. The other thing to keep in mind too is when you look at this whole investigation about what went on there, the whole thing with secrecy. The judge has a warrant, signs a warrant, says go in. Of course, we know how this thing works. There's no other side to say, excuse me, I don't really think there's a lot of there there. There's no pushback. So a judge really counting on the FBI not to waste his time. Even though we know what happened with Carter Page and the whole Russia investigation, they lied. They got their warrant. They went to town on it. They destroyed people's lives. They put people in jail. And they ruined the door. They actually curtailed or hamstrung a presidency for the last it lasted 18 months. So they go in there. We just don't know the answers. What were you looking for? Was it actually archives? Were you on a fishing expedition in order to bolster may well, possibly a Department of Justice case against the president that would stop him from running? Well, and part of the problem is, could you trust them if they told you? I mean, I'd actually want to see the documents at this point. Why don't I, I don't we know see? if I necessarily am, am going to draw any information from, you know, a, a forced news conference or some people who feel like they have to answer questions. I actually want to see the evidence now. All right, let's get to this, because Trump's former rival, Hillary Clinton, appears to be trying to make a quick buck off the FBI raid. Yesterday, she tweeted a promotion for her merchandise emblazoned with but her emails, a popular phrase among her supporters, critics sometimes countered with lock her up chants. The shirts and hats sold for $30 each. I shouldn't say sold for because they're on sale now. 
Clinton says the proceeds will go to a political action committee she founded after losing to Trump in 2016. Anybody think she's going to run again? A couple of things on that. I'm not sure if she's going to run again. Uh, I mean, I don't know if the Democrats would get behind her. Though as soon as she lost, you heard about how everyone had the doubts, but they were strong arm to support her, number one. Number two, I got to think that Gavin Newsom and Pritzker and others are not going to oh, step sure, aside be for others. them. But I would say this. How tone deaf is this, Harris? You have a situation where President Trump has had some legal issues or challenges. You want to bring back the memory of 35,000 lost emails, of a smashed <laughs> phone? You want to bring back the memory of the way in which oh. you handled all of that? Your IT guy refusing to answer a, uh, a subpoena in order mm. to turn over all this information? You want to answer? You want people to bring up again that you weaponized this whole steel dossier to trip up the president because of the, the future president then, candidate, because he was emphasizing too much your emails. So wow. by bringing up, it's like if you got a DWI and then your rival got one, do you want to bring up yours or do you hope that nobody brings up yours? So you're bringing up a scandal that all these answers were never, all these questions were never answered. Know. My last thing to this is, is that she feels impervious. She feels like I got away <laughs> yeah, with it the okay. last time and you can't touch me this time. Yeah, I'm wondering if that doesn't play a role. But there is no accounting for how much thirst there is in politics. That's for certain. Absolutely. Brian Kilmeade, thank you very much. Simulcast is always good. See you in the halls. All right. <laughs> I feel like uh, we're in school. Yes, yeah, a little we bit. Are, I guess. Thanks, President Harris. Biden struggling. Hey, uh, Cliff, you're listening online in Waterbury, Connecticut. Hey, Cliff. Brian, hey, listen. Hey, hey Brian, just listen to your guest, and then uh, you had a prior guest talk about those boxes. Brian, simple question Who owns those boxes, those documents? Well, that's the dispute, isn't it? I mean, no. Look at the, the, the simple question, Brian. Is the answer to that is the government owns it. Those are not Trump's personal items. If you are the president and you're in office, notes, handwritten notes, emails, just like you said with Hillary Clinton, all those things belong to the archives, which in turn are available to the public. That is not his personal boxes. I think you. You know what? I think you're right. I, I think that this is that is absolutely true, and that's why they battle it out. The archives, not known as an aggressive agency, bows out with the president. I mean, little things like, for example, if the, ball, if the New England Patriots win the Super Bowl and they give them a jersey that says uh, Trump 45 on the back, you really can't take that. But if you want to feel a library, you can get it and you can get a loan. The Smithsonian lends things out to the Museum of Natural History on a regular basis. That's the way it goes back. It's a negotiation. I really don't know why every president wrestles with this. But you brought up a good point, Cliff. One thing with the president, the former president of the United States, these problems can be a lot of them can be avoided. And if you know someone just wants you to put your chin out and just wants to take a shot at you, why put your chin out is what you're saying, correct? Let me end with this, Brian. All I'm simply saying is that every president has complied with policies and procedures by turning over this documentation, whether it be classified or unclassified, and which under the they Constitution— They always have problems. The one th You're right, but every president—I was shocked to find this out in researching it. Every president, including the 44th president, Barack Obama, is still wrestling with the National Archives on what's his and what's not. And what was his okay, library right and what's to, not? They have a right to invade his home. They have that right to do that. Just like they did to Trump, they have a right to, you to, you to think raise they, his property. But they, I don't think so. Way. Do you think they have a right to go invade Barack Obama's home? Negotiating? You know, absolutely. If those documents belong to the archives, they have that right.
That's public information that's av- that's available to the public. You cannot be the president and then take your own information and say, yo, this is mine a- as you sit as the national president. Cliff, I, you if it's clear, but it, listen, if it's clear, I think, Cliff, you're right. But there's a lot you know, of things then, that are not that are dicey. You know, you have a cancer patient come to visit you at the White House that you have helped before you took the you took the oath of office. They come in and visit you, and that is chronicled or a gift is given. There's all types of nuances to it. Now, we don't know exactly what they took out, but as soon as they came over and inquired, Trump handed back 15 boxes. Nobody disputes that. But when they would the 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 GSA was the ones that green-lighted that to be loaded up and brought to wherever Donald Trump decided to live, whether it's Bedminster or Mar-a-Lago. So it wasn't snuck out in the middle of the night. Now, I don't know why Hillary Clinton took the furniture and Bill Clinton took their furniture. Someone loaded that on a truck. I don't think Hillary bubble-wrapped it. But there's, see, this is not unique to the 45th president. But I, I, I feel your frustration, too. It's like, why even give them an opportunity? People, all your critics an opportunity— to be critical of you. Why make it easy for him? I understand that too. Even if you're not a fan of Trump's, why would you do it? Why would you not want to play the perfect game? Donna in Tennessee. Hey, Donna. Hey, hey, Brian. There's so much going on in the news cycle right now, but wanted to talk about the Connecticut uh, Republican primary last night. Okay. Uh, not a lot of attention because, of course, it's Connecticut, but President Trump endorsed Leora Levy. Uh, a true conservative over the rhino uh, Connecticut state party endorsed uh, candidate, Demis Claritus, and Leora Levy won by a good margin. Uh, I think she's one to watch. She, I listened to her. What do you think? You, you live there, right? Do you think she's got a legitimate shot of winning over enough I, Democrats well, I, or I, moderates? Well, I have, exactly. Well, I have friends and family there, and so I'm really staying in tune with, with the race. And when I hear her talk and when I read her policies and I look at her resume, she is so much like our beloved Senator Marsha Blackburn. In fact, Senator Blackburn endorsed her. But, okay. yes, to your point, Republicans, independents, clear-minded Democrats can make history. People are just as dissatisfied in Connecticut as they are across the country. I just think we all need to take President President Trump's lead and fight for and work for blue states that sometimes are actually purple based on numbers. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Take a look at Virginia. That's what a lot of Republicans are looking at. Look at what happened in Virginia. They think they didn't think that was possible. And uh, Terry McAuliffe had won before and was relatively popular. So that was a that was an unfathomable win. And in Connecticut, there's great hope. Linda McMahon had great hope twice and was unable to pull it off. Joe Lieberman got elected as an independent. He was able to pull it off after the Democrats ousted him. We'll see if things are changed. We'll see if people are tired of 9% inflation and gas prices that uh, people are high-fiving when it's $4 a gallon. So I, I, I take that. Peter, you're listening in Montreal. Hey, Peter. Hi there, Brian. I have a question for a while. I have something to say. Uh, I think that they have a blank warrant saying that the FBI went in and they're going to try and find some evidence. Whatever evidence they find, they will name that warrant under that name. So they have to get the name of the warrant right away out to see what exactly they're I'd love to for. see it. Absolutely. You know. Okay, that's all I have to say. Go get them. You show that warrant, uh, and I'll be it. I don't need any spin. Just show me what you're thinking of. 
but we but if they just grab stuff that you know was part of history over the last five years, I mean they grab cocktail napkins, they grab letters from Kim Jong Un. The president didn't want to expose that. The president also had a letter from President Obama. I'm not sure that he wanted that public. I'm not sure it's embarrassing. I'm probably good. It's probably decent. But I think the president's like, yeah, I'll take that. And that's a problem. But is it enough to raid a guy's house? We'll see what else he's got. We don't know. We don't know. And that's what Chris Christie said. It depends on what they got and what they were going for. We don't know any of that yet. Uh, When we come back, I'll finish up with more calls and find out if there's indeed more to know. Uh, This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, well, welcome back, everybody. I'm just looking at the time now. I'm wondering if it's time to know more. More to know. Elon Musk is setting to sell setting to sell seven billion dollars worth of Tesla shares as Twitter legal battle rages on. So I was talking to one expert this morning. They believe this is because Musk feels as though he's going to be forced to buy Twitter, and he needs to be liquid on Tesla and doesn't want to hurt their stock. Um, here it is. Uh, he sold more Tesla shares worth $7 billion, uh, according to uh, their CEO. He sold $7.29 billion shares in the electric vehicle maker months after announcing he wasn't going to sell any more shares. So he's selling shares to get a little bit liquid in case a judge decides in Delaware that he's got to go buy Twitter. Now, the question is, does he regret it? Yes. And you know what was explained to me this morning is that the market has changed since Twitter. I mean, the market has dropped really hard on Tesla as well as Twitter. So the value is worth less. Then they find out about the bots. And now the investigate. Now the judge is going to say to the Twitter owners, find out how many bots there are. This guy, this is what he wants to know. If you find out, then he'll sell it to you. So we'll see what the price does. So I just love the fact that it's making everybody a little bit more honest. I feel as though even at billionaires, I think this guy bought something he didn't want. I think he sees that Twitter is withering, and he doesn't see much ad revenue potential there. And I think he's trying to get out of it. He doesn't just want to pay a billion-dollar fine. Next, uh, Greece, that Grease car signed by Olivia Newton-John is up for auction because she passed away, sadly. The 1949 Mercury, known as Hell's Chariot, was raced by the villain Crater Face against Danny Zuko's Grease Lightning. I think I said that name right. Uh, it is now up for auction. The vehicle was built by a legendary movie car guy named Eddie Paul, who chopped up, who chopped the top off a Mercury Coupe to create that menacing hot rod. The car later made appearances on the movie Streets of Fire and Used Cars. It was rediscovered just over a decade ago at a car shop in Huntington Beach in worn and weather condition, purchased by owner David Lesure, who had it authenticated by Paul and restored to an on-screen appearance. It's going to get a lot of money. It goes on auction in Monterey, California, Mecum Auctions, M-E-C-U-M, August 20th. Put your money together, Eric. And I know uh, you love Grease, Pete, uh, but I don't think you should be spending your money on that. Next, uh, this hit. This is what's happening in Little League. You have a Little League World Series on the line. Southwest Regional Championship, Caden uh, Shelton of Pearland, Texas, threw a pitch, hit Isaiah Jarvis. Here's how it sounded. He hit him in the head. Listen. 
Oh, look out. Wow, that is a tough kid right there. So this is really cool because as a pitcher, Bubs looks shaken up right now because of what he did. And look at Zay Jarvis. This is such great sportsmanship. He wants him to know that it's okay, that he'll be fine. Could you make out what happened is the guy that got hit went over and hugged the pitcher because the pitcher was so upset that he hit the guy. At 12 years old, I think that's good. I mean, people like Dave Portnoy came out and said it's not good. William, get to Williamsport, talk to him after the game. I understand both schools of thought, but I side with the sportsmanship always. They're 12. I'm Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening. Watch me on Tucker tonight at 8 o'clock and tomorrow night, and I'll be back here. Don't move. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.